0: Good evening. Good evening. Great to be with you tonight. And on Sunday nights, we've been going through a sermon, uh, a series, sermon series through First Peter, called Sojourners, Living as We Long for Home. And uh, I must say, Dal, you picked quite a night because... <laughs> Oh, I'm talking about husbands and wives, and tonight's the husband's part. <laughs> so, hey, the Lord has a plan. So um, he, He's gonna do something with it. So, but uh I'm grateful to share with you tonight. Um, tonight we're gonna to talk about understanding and honor in marriage. Understanding and honor. In marriage, let's pray together. Oh, Lord, help us now learn from your servant, Peter. You have something to say, Lord, we want to hear it. And Lord, I do pray, Lord, um, for marriages, Lord, for the marriages of this church family. And for the marriages, Lord, of all who know you, Lord, you have a plan for marriage, you made marriage. Um, marriage isn't for everyone, Lord, but for those who are married, you have a plan for it, and we're to honor you above all in it. And especially tonight, Lord, I pray that um, for those of us who are husbands, Lord, or may be a husband at some point, um, pray, Lord, that you would help us, God, to be the husbands that you desire us to be, that we would. Uphold your righteousness, Lord, and be blameless, Lord, in the way we love our wives for your name's sake. And we ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. If you have a Bible, you can turn to First Peter chapter 3, First Peter chapter 3. And um, I heard a story a while back, uh, I, Winston Churchill, who most of you know, uh, was at a formal banquet in London one time, and the dignitaries at this banquet were asked the question: If you could not be who you are, who would you like to be? Uh, and of course, everyone was very interested in what Churchill would say, because Churchill is one of the most influential leaders of that entire that of the 20th century. And so, if, and so, I mean, you know, many people I suspect would would have liked to have been him, but if he could not be who he was. Who would he like to be? And so it gets to Winston Churchill's turn, and he says, "If I could not be who I am, who I would like most to be is Lady Churchill's second husband. Lady Churchill's second husband. He won some points that night. Uh, smart man, uh, and uh, and it takes a smart man to defeat the Third Rock. But he was smart in other ways too." And so, um, he, he showed honor to his wife at that banquet. And Peter has something to say about husbands and honor in marriage, and that's what we want to talk about tonight. And so, if you have a Bible and you're able and willing, I invite you to stand in honor of the reading of God's Word. We're going to read 1 Peter chapter 3, beginning in verse 7. Just one verse, actually. Verse 7, likewise, husbands, live with your wives in an understanding way, showing honor to the woman as the weaker vessel, since they are heirs with you of the grace of life, so that your prayers may not be hindered. The word of God, you may be seated. So I want to see three things that in marriage husbands are to be and do. In marriage, husbands are to, number one, be understanding. Number two, they're they they're to show honor. And number three, they're to guard their relationship with God. They're to be understanding, they're to show honor, and they're to guard their relationship with God. So first here, it says, in marriage, husbands are to be understanding. So when Peter says there in verse 7, Likewise, husbands, live with your wives in an understanding way. In the original language, it it, it literally reads, Uh, Live with your wives according to knowledge, according to knowledge. And so it's translated in an understanding way, but uh, there's two kinds of ways to take what Peter is saying, what kind of knowledge Peter is saying in the context, and they're both feasible, and I think they're both true, and so I want to explore both of them as we look at how Peter wants to a- exhort husbands here, okay? So the first type of knowledge that Peter could be speaking of when he exhorts husbands to live uh, with their wives according to knowledge is the first type of knowledge uh, is he could be talking about knowledge of God, uh, knowledge of God. And so as we've talked about already in the in the letter of 1 Peter, he's In the early chapters, he was extolling the riches of what God had done for believers through Jesus Christ. So if we're a follower of Jesus Christ, the Bible says that we have an imperishable, unfading, undefiled inheritance kept in heaven for us. So as Christians, as Christians, as followers of Jesus, we have something that Christ has guaranteed us. And Paul says the down payment of that, the guarantee of that is the Holy Spirit who lives within us that guarantees then, that secures us for the inheritance that God has, that we sang about, mansions in heaven. That is, that is, here we have no home, but in heaven we have an eternal dwelling place, and that's our destiny. And since that is our destiny, then that enables us, since we, we have a certain future, we, can, we are then empowered and enabled in this life to endure difficult things. Because if we didn't have a certain future in Christ, we would have no hope. And without hope, you can't endure. And so Christ gives us hope, and Christ enables us to endure. And so clearly in that logic there, and because 1 Peter is generally about suffering, Peter lays that out because he understands that those truths have implications for our lives. The the truth of our future inheritance that's secure in Christ should then empower us, to live lives obedient to Christ and to, and to endure even suffering for his name. And so in the same way here, in the same way here, knowledge of God, when he says to the husbands, live according to knowledge with your wife, knowledge of God should in the same way inform and empower everything that we do, not the least of which is how we live in our marriages, right? The gospel is comprehensive, Jesus is Lord of all and that means he's Lord of every area of our lives including our relationships and especially our marriages And so there's no part of our life There's no part of our lives, where we can tell Jesus. Yeah, Jesus you can have all of this except this this one's mine No, Jesus is going to come on in. He's gonna knock on the door and he says let me in there that belongs to me, too And so Jesus is going to renovate all of our lives and so Proper knowledge of God, then, is is necessary to live as we ought to in our marriages. It should energize and empower how we live in in every aspect of life, including, Peter says, our marriages. And so a proper knowledge of God, who he is, what he's done, what he's going to do is going to uh, have implications for our lives and our marriages. And so a proper knowledge of God, a husband, with a proper knowledge of God, will know things like... That God will hold him accountable for how he treats his wife. That he will know that the same God that created him also created her. And that God sees and knows all things, including the thoughts and intentions of our heart. Did you know that Jesus said that we'll have to give an account for every idle word that we speak? And we tend to speak our idlest words with our spouses. And so we got to, we'll have to stand before God, and if we have proper knowledge of God with respect to that, that should change the way we live in, in, in our marriages and treat our spouses. Uh, a husband that has a proper knowledge of God will know um, that uh, marriage is a picture, as the Apostle Paul said, of Christ and the church, okay? And so this gives marriage uh, an incredibly exalted position as a, as a, as a unique picture of what God came to do through Jesus Christ. And so, and so we can say, and that basically what Paul says in Ephesians chapter 5, is that marriage was given for the purpose of showing, in the ultimate sense, what Christ was going to do through Jesus, uh, what God was going to do through Jesus Christ. And so the husband then is a picture of Christ, and the wife is a picture of the church. And so uh, a husband who has proper knowledge of God is going to recognize this, that the, way he lo- that the way the Christian husband loves his wife is a direct reflection on the way Jesus Christ loves his church. So to not love your wife in a way that honors and pleases God is to tell a lie about Jesus Christ. And so, the man who lives according to knowledge will know that. And he will not want to blaspheme his Christ in the way that he handles his marriage. Um, a husband with knowledge of God will know what Proverbs 19.14 says, which says, a house and a wealth are inherited from the fathers, but a prudent wife is from the Lord. <laughs> it's a gift. Marriage is a gift. Right? And so, He'll recognize that and praise God for his wife and seek to see her thrive and her callings as a wife. And so a faithful husband will live according to proper knowledge of God. The second kind of knowledge that uh, Peter could be speaking of here is uh, knowledge of his wife. So live according to knowledge of God and live according to knowledge of his wife. So not only uh, do we, or to live according to proper knowledge of God, but we must live uh, according to proper knowledge of uh, our wives as well. So it turns out that men and women are different. <laughs> there was a time when that wasn't a controversial statement, but there were there are many people here who would can't, wouldn't even believe I, I just said that. But men and women are different, um, and <laughs> one woman's different from another. <laughs> And so everybody's different. And if the husband wants to be faithful in the fear of God, he must understand and know both the general differences in gender, between the genders, as well as the peculiarities of his own wife. And so, you know, just so like women don't think like men do (laughs) lots of times, right? Just they're wired differently. Just for an example, which maybe many of you can relate to. A man and a woman, a husband and a wife can literally have a conversation and then walk away from the conversation. They're just sure that they know exactly what the other one is talking about, and then it turns out later on they realize that neither one of them knew what the other one was talking about. How is that possible? How is that possible? But it happens all the time. You know, a man can say something that he meant as a compliment and it's considered an insult, you know? Phew. <laughs> It happens, okay? Why? Because we're different, right? We're wired differently, okay? And so, um, you know, a man, a man, for example, might be completely fine with a, a power tool for Valentine's Day, but that doesn't mean the wife wants a vacuum cleaner, okay? It just it's not what it means. We just we're wired differently. One uh, one thing is that women, on average, tend to be more verbal. While a guy, you know, a guy can sit next to another guy for two hours watching a ball game and not say a single word and say, man, we had an awesome time, you know? But typically women want engagement and they want want to talk. And so for the husband, then part of understanding or uh, to live according to knowledge will be learning what makes, how your spouse works and what makes her tick and what she likes and what she doesn't like. It's, for example, if your wife is more verbal and, you know, you just want to sit in the couch and grunt, you know, then part of denying yourself and taking up your cross and following Jesus will be learning to put your thoughts into words and make sounds that are intelligible speech, like, I love you, and you look nice today, and thank you, you know, talk, use words. Um, uh, learn how your your spouse works and be intentional then to speak to them in a language that they understand. That's how you that's how you live with your spouse in an understanding way. And so you can't, and so what, I mean, so Peter is calling us then to, do, you know, I just can't, you know, it's not, it's incumbent upon me as a husband to do that. You know, it's incumbent upon me as a husband to learn how my wife works and intentionally, you know, I can't, you God's putting that on me as a husband, to not just sit back and just be complacent in my marriage, but to be intentional, to make my marriage as as best as it can be, as Christ-centered as it can be. And so, number one, in marriage, husbands are to be understanding. Next, number two, in marriage, husbands are to show honor. Husbands are to show honor. He says, uh, middle of the verse, he says, Showing honor to the woman as the weaker vessel— since they are heirs with you of the grace of life. And so, um, one of the ways that we discuss about how men are to, uh, husbands are to live with their wives in an understanding way, and one is to understand the differences between the genders, okay? And it's important to remember, as we kind of talked about last time, that different, different is just different. Different doesn't really mean better or worse. And, um, and so it's in our, it's really in our modern secular worldview that we're just b- being bombarded with day after day that we view certain things as more important than others, and then we take those these worldly concepts to the Bible and and and, and try to and try to treat the Bible um, like we. It's just hard for us to understand. It's hard for us to grasp because we're not thinking in biblical terms, and so. When God made man and woman, as we said last time, he made them different. And remember when God created man and woman, he created man first and then woman and we talked about how that was on purpose. And remember at the end of creation, the Bible says that God looked over all that he had made and behold it was very good. And so the differences between men and women are on purpose and they're good. And different means different. So for example, forks aren't better than spoons; they're just different, and they work together. Bless God at Sidetrack Cafe to get all the different kinds of food into my tummy where I want it. Right? I mean, they're both good. They both—they're different, but they're both good. And so, uh, what Peter is—so what is Peter saying then when he says that they should show honor to their wives as a weaker vessel? I think that almost certainly refers to physical strength. Uh, I just I, I just think that's, I think that's what it means. I think it's pretty clear there. And plus, there's no real scripture references that say that women are, or men are more spiritually... In fact, if you look at history, typically women are more spiritually astute than men are. And so I don't think it has anything related to that. I think it has to do with physical strength. It's statistically undeniable <laughs> that men, on average, are physically bulkier and stronger than women. Which, as a total side note here, which is why the whole... The, the transgender movement and, and men competing in female sports, you know, I just think it's, it's so sad and heartbreaking because it's denying, it's denying the, the good differences that God created in men and women. And besides that, I, I read something, well, I'm not even going to get into that. That's not, my, that's not a different sermon. Okay. But men and women are different. And, and men are stronger than women on average, Okay. And so what Peter sees here is the need to mention, to show, to honor their wives, uh, the need for men to honor their wives because husbands are, um, generally speaking, physically stronger. And so what does, that have to, what does that have to do with it? Well, I think it has to do with this, right? If I'm the bigger guy, if, I, if I'm stronger in the relationship, well, then guess what? I'm the one that can get away with mistreating my spouse, Right? because I could mistreat her, and she couldn't do anything about it, right? And so, God, so Peter is, is, is specifically uh, teaching the men, and he's saying, look, just be, she's the weaker vessel, and so because of that, you shouldn't, you know, the world way of thinking is, if you're stronger, exert it. Assert yourself. Show your strength. But that's not the biblical way. The biblical way is that God doesn't give strength to dominate. God gives strength to serve. And so in the biblical, in God's economy, if God has made us strong, then we're to use that strength to serve, not to dominate. And so what he's saying there is that men are, especially because they're stronger and women are physically weaker, they're to show special honor to their wives in that way. Because God has a special burden for the vulnerable and and those who are defenseless against the power of others. And so, and so there's, there's that difference there that men are supposed to acknowledge and to honor. And again, that's just, you know, people get all bent out of shape about this verse, you know, saying women are weaker. But to me, it's just, it's undeniable. And again, different is just different, right? Gold, 24 karat gold, there's a reason they have to alloy gold. Why? Because it's a soft metal. But guess what? I'd rather have 100 pounds of gold than 100 pounds of steel. <laughs> They're different, right? They're different. And so... The, the, the point is we're to live according properly with, in the fear of God according to our differences, okay? There's a second reason here that, that Peter gives for husbands to honor their wives, and that is that there are heirs with you, he says, heirs with you of the grace of life. And so, while there are indeed physical differences between men and women, there's also an incredible sameness between man and woman that vastly outweighs the differences, And this is huge here. And this is particularly when it comes to spiritual realities, all people, men and women, are in the same position before God. So all people, men and women, are sinful before God. All people, men and women, equally need the grace of God found in Jesus Christ all people men and women who who believe in Jesus Christ and turn from their sins now stand before God as equals in the presence of uh, his beloved son that's why in galatians 3:28 the apostle paul said there is neither Jew nor Greek there is neither slave nor free there is no male and female for you are all one in Christ Jesus and so what peter what Paul's saying there is that he's not saying that all these differences are obliterated or that they don't exist anymore in Christ, but what he's saying is that those differences have no, that, that, that when it comes to our standing before Christ, those, those things make no difference. They make no difference. Jew, Jew or Greek, right? The Jews really thought, man, I got it, I'm spiritually good because I'm a Jew, I'm, I'm a child of Abraham. We got the promises. And it was easy to look at themselves as spiritually, you know, on another level than the Greek. But Paul says, no, slave or free, right? A, a free person might think, well, well, I really got it good. And a slave person uh, may say, you know, say, man, I got it really bad here. But Paul is saying, look, when we stand before Jesus Christ, it won't matter what your position in life was. Well, it won't matter whether you were Jew or Greek, whether you're slave or free, whether you're male or female. What will matter is are you in Christ Jesus? That's the only thing that's going to matter. And so, and specifically, Peter here says that we are heirs together of the grace of life. And that gets back to what he was saying in in chapter 1 about the inheritance, right? Those two words go together. Heir, inheritance. If you are an heir, you have an inheritance. And in chapter 1, he's already told us about our inheritance. And what Peter is saying here is that, it's that we, we both equally share an inheritance in God and Jesus Christ. And by the way, you know, people, you know, lots of people today in our culture, you know, they, you know, they say Christianity is backwards and, you know, and it keeps women down and it just subjugates people and all that stuff. But you have to just, you have to understand, you have to look at history. Wherever Christianity has thrived, women have been lifted up. And there's a reason for that. Because here it says that women are what? Co-heirs With men in Jesus Christ. Well, hold on, wait a second. In ancient times, in ancient times, who received the inheritance? Sons, not daughters. But what is what is God saying through Jesus Christ? Everyone's an heir. Everyone's an heir. Everyone gets an inheritance. Men and women alike right? And that's what it's, and that's what he's talking about. And so it's like, it's like what Peter is saying is this. He's saying, don't you know, don't you know the destiny that we have as Christians? Don't you know what, what is waiting for us on the other side of eternity? Don't you, it's just like the argument that Peter used, I I think it's in Corinthians, when they were just arguing about a bunch of bunch of crazy nonsense stuff, and they just couldn't get along. And, and Paul says, don't you know that we're going to judge angels? Don't you know that we are destined for such unspeakable glory that if you could see what you're quibbling about now, you'd be embarrassed? Don't you know what's waiting for us on the other side? Jesus Christ said that we shall reign with him. And get this, he says that we will sit with him on his throne as he sits with his father on his throne. And so, husband, the woman who walks around in your house in her PJs, if you're in Christ, that woman who's walking around in your house in her PJs, one day in glorified bodies adorned with the glory of her Savior, she will be adorned with more glory than the Queen of England could have ever dreamed of. Why? Because she's a daughter of the king. That's why. We're... If if we belong to Christ, if we're sons with him, Paul says, co-heirs with Christ, then we are kings and queens destined to reign with our Savior in the new heavens and the new earth. And so what Peter is saying is, <laughs> don't forget it, because you need to live like that now. You need to live like that now. And so, <clears throat> and so what does this honor look like? Well, um, it relates to uh, what we've been talking about, treating wives honorably as God has made them. Uh, in, in Ephesians, Apostle Paul talks about how marriage and... and how God, God instituted the first marriage, and it says the two. Uh, For this reason, man shall leave his father and mother, and the two shall become one flesh. Okay, and so in marriage, the two become one, <laughs> in a in a profound, incredibly profound sense. I think probably more profound than than any of us ever really think about. The two become one to the point that 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 Paul says again in Ephesians five. He says. To love your wife is to love yourself. why? Because she is you <laughs> I mean that's, that's the oneness that's the oneness that you're talking about and so, and so of course the golden rule then applies: love your neighbor as yourself, but it even, it, but it even applies more profoundly in marriage, because in marriage you truly are one in a profound sense, the most intimate human relationship that God himself unites uh, two into one. And so the same way then in which, you know, the same way that anybody, for example, you know, how I want, that's what Jesus says, love your neighbor as yourself. So the same way that you want to be loved, that you want to be pursued, that you want to be forgiven, that you want to be shown grace, that's the same way you should love your spouse. It means being patient. <laughs> it means being patient in misunderstandings. It means, means being gentle in language, guarding against attitudes and actions and tones that can come across threatening or coercive. It means treating your wife with dignity uh, as precious to you because she's precious to God. So, in marriage, husbands are to be understanding. They're to show honor. And finally, number three, husbands are to guard their relationship with God. Husbands are to guard their relationship with God. Peter says all this, uh, husbands, live with your wives in an understanding way, showing honor to the woman as a weaker vessel, since they are heirs with you of the grace of life. Then he says, so that your prayers may not be hindered. So that your prayers may not be hindered. Peter directly connects... Not loving your wife as you ought to, to God not hearing your prayers. And I can't think of a more devastating thing that can happen to a man. than one day he finds that there is a wall between him and heaven. How can a man live when he has hindered his access to God? What fruit can a man bear when he has detached himself from the vine? What of eternal consequence can be accomplished in his life when the only strength that he has to labor with is his own and not God's? What such a man will find is that, is that in his life, he, has, he will have the best marriage that can be had on his own strength which is a joke compared to the marriage that can be had with God. And so I can't think of anything worse than God not hearing your prayers. And the man whose prayers are hindered had best fly to the throne of grace and repent while he still can, lest he be consigned to a life of worthlessness because you can't do anything of any value unless God's in it. And if God isn't hearing your prayers, then just go ahead and hang it up. Because nothing of true significance is going to happen. And so what this should do then, what this should do is it should be a heavy weight upon every man who has even the slightest sliver of the fear of God to say, <laughs> I have to honor God in my relationships, and especially my relationship with my spouse, because I need God. In fact, John Calvin put it like this. He said, said, uh, this reason ought to restrain, you know, he's writing like 600 years ago, (laughs) Uh, 500 years ago. This reason ought to restrain all domestic quarrels and strifes in order that each one of the family may pray to God, so in common life it ought to be, as it were, a bridle to check all contentions. For we are more than insane if we knowingly and willfully close up the way to God's presence by prayer, since it is the only asylum of our salvation. Insane, more than insane, if we would do that to ourselves. Calvin says... And we must admit, and this is the sad part, I, I read, I uh, happened to come across a Spurgeon sermon, I thought about quoting it, but he's, he's pretty harsh, he really lays into it. But one of the things he said was this, he said, we must admit that this threat falls flat, this threat falls flat on the ears of so many men because there are many men who don't even pray. So what is it to them if God doesn't hear their prayers because they hardly pray to begin with? So the threat means nothing to them. That's a great tragedy. And as I said before, we've got the best marriages, families, churches that we can produce in the strength of man. But they're nothing compared to what they could be with the power of God. And nothing will change unless we turn and we pray. And so it's the call for everybody, everybody of in general, and of course in, in this case husbands in particular, that if there's anything in our relationships, anything in our marriages that is not right before God, then we need to we need to fix it. Because that it, it only it, it only takes that one thing to hinder or to to hinder our relationship with God. And once that relationship is blocked then everything else is going to go downhill and so it's not time to play around it's time to get on our faces before god and if necessary before our spouses and to say i'm sorry (laughs) forgive me and 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 by god's grace i'm going to try to be a better spouse and then (laughs) and then when you when you Come then before God with a clean conscience and when, when there's when there's something blocking your path to God and you make it right and, and you and you didn't come to God for a clean conscience it's like it's like heaven opens up for you. And so if we can, if we can just it, it's, you know it's pride and it's Satan and it's the devil that's it's, it's, it's pride Satan and the devil that is whispered in your ear right now. I can't say I'm sorry. I can't admit I was wrong. Why, why not? The only the only person that benefits from your pride is the devil. He's the only one. Not you. Not your spouse. Not your family. The devil, he's the only one. If we will humble ourselves and 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 clear that clear that Open up that pathway back between us and God. Not only will our marriage get better, but our whole lives will improve as we, as God's power, as heaven begins to open again to us. And so, if we're going to change anything, if we're going to do, if, if we're going to do anything, we need to clear that path before God, and we're gonna, and we need to learn to pray. We need to learn to pray. Prayer is. Essential for everybody, but it's especially essential in our marriages and our families. I said it, I said it la- last time. <clears throat> the, devil, the devil hates Christian marriage. He hates it. With a fervent passion, he hates it. Why? Because it's the picture. It's the picture of the thing he hates the most. What Jesus has done to do what? To forgive undeserving people. Because what's the devil's only claim on people? Unforgiven sin. That's his accusation. Is he can accuse us of our sin. But if sin is forgiven, then Satan has lost his power. But marriage is what? It's the picture of Christ's self-sacrifice for his bride to atone for her sin, to bring her back in relationship with him. And Satan hates it. And so, if we but and so, what that means then is that, what that means then is that, marriage is going to be hard. And it is hard. And, and that's not and that shouldn't surprise anybody. It shouldn't surprise anybody. But what it does mean is this: it means, knowing this, it should drive us to our knees over our marriages and over every aspect of our lives. It should make us more earnest knowing that the devil is out there to to steal, kill, and destroy, but he who is in me is greater than he who is in the world. And if I will get on my face, and if I'll call out to Almighty God, God will give me the strength to resist the devil, and the Bible says if you resist him, he'll flee from you. But what is that? It's supernatural strength, and and supernatural strength comes through prayer. It comes through calling on God. So we must learn to pray. If we're going to be godly men and, and godly women, we must learn to pray. Private prayer, early prayer, late prayer, prayer in our commutes, prayer without ceasing. Family prayer, if you're part of a family, pray with your wives. Pray with your children. You know, tell, you know pray. Let your, let your spouse know that you are committing them to the Lord this day. I, you know, I, I, God help me, I could do a better job at this. And the Lord knows. The Lord knows what kind of marriages could be had in the Church of Christ if spouses just learn to pray with one another. There's all kinds of opportunities to pray. We pray. Uh, for example, at prayer meeting on Wednesday nights, and we pray, and we pray. And so maybe if you're the man of the house, you're the spiritual leader of the house, you know, you're going you're gonna, to you're gonna be in the driver's seat, and you're going to say, no, we ain't doing that on Wednesday night because we're going to church. We're going to pray with God's people. That's what we're going to do. We uh, there's a group of men who pray at nine a.m. every every morning in the prayer uh, Sunday morning in the prayer room. Sunday mornings in the prayer room. There's men's discipleship group that meets monthly. That's one of my absolute favorite things that I do in this church. And there's a group of, uh, a number of you guys come and one and the thing that we the thing that takes the longest during that time is we pray. We pray. And when we pray, when we acknowledge our need and desperation for God, that's when God says, I'm coming, son. I'm coming, daughter. I'm on the way. I'm on the way. That's what prayer does. Because in Christ, we belong to God. In Christ, we are his son like Christ is his son because we have given our all to his beloved son. And so God has owned us as his. And since we belong to God, he hears us when we pray. There there may be no greater reality than that. God hears when we pray. And when we pray, things change because God acts through prayer. So as I close... This evening, we've been talking about family, we've been talking about marriage and prayer and all these things. We've said that marriage is a picture. It's a picture of Christ in the church. The Bible actually says that marriage is temporary. It's a a picture, right? When, When you have a picture, you have a picture to remind you of someone, to point you to someone. But when that someone walks through the door, you don't look at the picture anymore they're here marriage is a picture it's a gift but one day christ is going to come walking through the door and we won't need marriage anymore but for the time being it's still a picture of what jesus christ has done for us he he was the perfect husband and he never married he gave himself for his bride he laid down his life on the cross, paying the penalty for the sins of his bride so that she could be forgiven and come back to him. That's the good news of the gospel of Jesus Christ. And so as we close tonight, all this, everything that I've talked about, you can't be a Christian spouse unless you're a Christian. And by the way, it takes supernatural power to do these things, that only comes by the Holy Spirit of God that we receive when we do what? When we turn from our sins and believe in Jesus and own him as ours. And that can happen tonight. If you're in here tonight and you don't know Jesus Christ, it's very simple. You can turn from your sins. You can bow your heart to King Jesus. You can come to him like that tax collector cried in the temple, Lord, have mercy on me, a sinner. And the glory of it is, is that if we will humble ourselves and come to him, Jesus Christ will forgive us of all our sins and bring us into his family. And all these promises and all this power can be yours through Jesus Christ. And I pray you would own it tonight. Let's pray. Lord, thank you for this evening.